0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us today is the epistle lesson, especially Paul's words, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, If I only could get a bigger house, then I would be content. If I only could get that new car that has just been introduced, then I would be content. If I only could get that promotion at work, then I would be content. If I only, if I only, if I only. You fill in the blank for your life, yourself. And so today. I invite you to explore your own heart, asking, what is the basis for my contentment in this world? Or perhaps, why am I not content at this point in my life? It seems to be wired into us to try and find contentment, to try and find satisfaction and happiness in the things of this world in the creation, rather than the creator. And that goes all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. God had given them a beautiful and pristine creation, the result of which should have been contentment, happiness, and satisfaction. And yet they were not content when they were confronted with the temptation of Satan, were they? After believing that the lie of Satan was the truth, they were not content, thinking that they could be just like God. And so they ate the forbidden fruit. And following that tragic event, we have been wired to follow in the footsteps of our first parents, trying to gain contentment, satisfaction, and happiness from the things of this world. And this world tries to convince us that we truly can find contentment in the things of this world. Companies parade their products before us, trying to convince us that contentment is just one purchase away. Celebrities endorse products, trying to convince us that contentment will be ours if we just follow their lead and do what they have done. And if we're not careful, Satan can use these enticements to try and build in us an insatiable desire for the things of this world. It's like chasing a mirage of contentment. We never quite catch it. We never quite have enough, and we always want more. America's first billionaire, John D. Rockefeller, was once asked, how much is enough? He smiled and said, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And perhaps that feeling and that attitude is more prevalent than we might care to admit. We get that raise at work and we're happy, but we wish it were just a little bit more. No matter how large our bank account is, we wish it were just a little bit more. The Romans had a proverb that compared the relentless pursuit of money and material things to drinking salt water. It never quite quenches the thirst, but it always creates a thirst for more, Solomon, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, describes the folly, the futility of a relentless search after money and material things, talking about how these things can even keep us up at night, awake in our beds, anxious and worried about getting them or about keeping them. He talks about the folly of the fact that all we accumulate here in this world will one day be passed on to someone else. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish with all that we have accumulated. Yes, it is futile to try and find contentment in the relentless pursuit of money and material things. But we have to be careful that we don't veer into the ditch on the other side of the road as well, thinking that money and material things are inherently bad, inherently evil, in and of themselves. Paul speaks a lot about money in our epistle lesson for today, and he states the verse that is probably the most misquoted verse in all of Scripture. Notice Paul does not say that money is the root of all evil, the way it is often misquoted. Instead, he says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is not evil or bad. The problem can enter in regarding our outlook, our attitude, our perspective on money we look, for example, into the Old Testament, we see that Abraham in the book of Genesis was a very wealthy man. He is described in Genesis 13 as being very rich in livestock and in gold and silver. And yet it also says there that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as Righteousness. Or later on in the Old Testament, we meet Job, who also was a very, very wealthy man. He is described in the first chapter of Job as having 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And yet it also says in that same chapter that Job was a righteous and blameless man, one who feared God and turned away from evil. But then later, after Job loses all of his possessions, all of his servants, and even all of his children, he still expresses contentment And says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul echoes a similar contentment in our epistle lesson for today. When he says, we have brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. Paul, like Job, learned to be content with much and he learned to be content with little because his contentment was not based upon, did not have its foundation in the things of this world, but rather in God. And so let's ask the obvious question. Is it wrong to desire a bigger house? Is it wrong to desire a new car? Is it wrong to desire a promotion at work? Of course not. These things could be wonderful blessings from God in your life if it is his will that you have them. But if we try to base our contentment, our happiness, and our satisfaction on these things alone, problems can enter in. And in extreme cases, it can even result in idolatry in our lives. Instead, in our text, Paul commends to us godliness with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain, says Paul. And godliness begins and ends with Jesus Christ, the one who was rich, Yet for our sakes became poor, that by his poverty we might become rich, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, not rich materially speaking, but rich spiritually speaking. For God, through Jesus Christ, has given you what no amount of money could ever buy, namely the forgiveness of all your sin, Reconciliation with God once again, and everlasting life in His presence. These things are your possession right here and now, given to you as a gift from God, and no one can take them from you. Thanks be to God that He was not content, that He was not satisfied until he brought about our redemption and reconciliation with him godliness with contentment begins and ends with jesus christ and it results in a changed outlook a changed attitude a changed perspective concerning the things of this world paul writes in our text that if we have food and clothing, we shall be content. Now, that word for clothing can also be translated covering. Perhaps Paul was not only talking about his clothing, but also about the covering of a shelter as well, realizing that he is thankful for God providing these and all the other necessities of life. Godliness begins and ends with Jesus Christ. And it results in a life that is lived, a life that is pleasing in the sight of God, a life dedicated to thanksgiving to God for all that he has done for us, a life that turns us away from focusing on ourselves and turns us toward our neighbor and his or her needs realizing that God works through us in order to help and sustain his creation. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And that word for contentment is sometimes, in fact, often translated self-sufficiency. And the ancient philosophers used it in their writings to talk about a life that is content and is satisfied independent of any outward influences in the world. Isn't that a great way to think about our lives as Christians? A life that is content and satisfied and happy. Not the result of feelings that we have conjured up in ourselves, but content and satisfied and happy in and through Jesus Christ, independent of any other outside influences, including money and material things. For regardless of your outward circumstances, God has made all of us incredibly wealthy in and through Jesus Christ. Yes, Paul it's true. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.